0: Uh, let's pray this, this scripture together. And we've been praying as we uh, go through the book of John, and, uh, and, it, and it reads like this, Philippians uh, 3, 10, and 11. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that no way... Are... <laughs> let's start over, all right? Okay, let's start over. I'm sorry. Okay. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Amen. Okay, you can be seated. Now, I mean, true confessions, (laughs) that's funny that, that I slipped on that. But isn't that sometimes how we would like to read it? All right. So that in no way I will experience this, all right? But one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. And what that means is we have to walk, sometimes we have to walk through stuff that we don't want to, stuff that's unexpected. Um, the beautiful thing I love about songs are not only the melody lines that they produce, um, you know, the melodic pleasing, the, the poetry that's found within songs, but they're actually, there's, there's meaning in there. Um, as, as we sing those songs, even this morning, right? The hidden place, you know? I'm safe in your embrace. You know, in your presence is where I'm safe. And the other, the other song, uh, you know, I'm, you're calling out my name. I'm ready, all right? And how many of you guys would really say, like, I can fully say, God, I am ready for you to do whatever you want to do in my life. How many of you guys would say that statement? How many of you would say it reluctantly? Or with some like pause, you're like, oh God, I don't know, what? You know, because it might be like something like, you want me to forgive who? You want me to give what? You want me to give up? You know, so I, I'd say let's, when we pray this prayer, Philippians 3 and and um, just FYI, this, this will be the 20th time that we've prayed that prayer. You know, and, I, and in my own life, and I, I'm the one that's, that's leading us in that prayer. And I'm asking, God, is this what I am really about? Am I really about dying to myself that I might experience you? Or am I about doing things my way and then including you in that? Or am I asking you, God, would you do the things that you want to do? And I got to be honest with you guys, sometimes I am just failing miserably. All right? Um, if you've never had the opportunity to raise kids, all right, I encourage you to do it. <laughs> just take one part time, raise them, okay? And uh, it's good, and and here's what it is: it is refining, right? It's it's not them, like like Jen and I were talking this week. Like we have, and let's see, within the next seven months, we will have six teenagers. We we'll have six teenagers, and so they're gonna act like they act, though, and that's fine. Like. Because I know the way that I acted, and my expectation, you know, might be, well, they're going to be perfect, and that's called insanity. <laughs> or it may be the neighbor that, you know, maybe... <laughs> okay. Calm down. Um, it may be the neighbor that... No, I'm just joking. So, but it, it might be the neighbor that, you know, you've been butting heads with. You know, And are, are you willing to say, like, God, would you have your way in my life? Not, God, would you have your way in their life for your sake and for my sanity, but God, would you have your way in my life? That, that, that one way or another, that I would experience the resurrection from the dead. And here's what I'm convinced of is this. As we experience this resurrection of the dead, um, the power of Jesus Christ in our lives, the Holy Spirit within us, I'm convinced of this, that our our lives through Jesus, uh, because of Jesus, bring life, right? Because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, right? He's the way to God. In Him, all being is, all right? Through Him, all things were created, John 1. And so in Him, there's, there is life. There is something that is different. There's something that is sustainable. And I'm convinced of this. The more that we lean into Him, the more we'll be like Him. The more we rely on ourselves, we'll be like ourselves. And that's ourselves without Jesus. That's ourselves who are going to try to figure everything out. That's ourselves who are going to press through. That's ourselves who are going to parent on our own, not by the strength of Jesus, not with the patience of Christ, but on our own. Those are who are going to neighbor on our own. And what we find, and I don't know about you guys, maybe you can relate with me, is that it just it doesn't end well. right? Maybe sometimes we have these good little things that happen, but man, I just find that in my own life that when I'm relying on Jesus I'm I'm actually treating people better. I'm treating my kids better. Guys, believe it or not, I have yelled at my children. Yeah. I know. I know. Exactly, all right, all right. Uh, by the way, that is going to continue to beep throughout the entirety of the service, so don't be alarmed, pun intended. All right, all right. Um, but before I begin today's passage, what I want to do is um, recall, my dad spoke last week, and he spoke about um, Lazarus being raised from the dead. And, and so what we see Um, is this, that that Lazarus is is raised from the dead. Um, And I'm going to give you the the most simple synopsis, which is like repetitive, I know, but I'm going to give you that. And so Lazarus dies. This dude is no longer taking breath. Lazarus is dead for four days. And he's in a tomb. Jesus comes to the tomb and then commands Lazarus to come out by saying, Lazarus, come out. Now, all these are normal things up to that point, that someone would die, that they would be in a tomb, and then we start getting into this mysterious kind of thing where Jesus comes up and he says, I mean, he says more, but, but he says at the, at the end of the, uh, what he says, he says, Lazarus, come out. And, uh, and there's people all around. And now we've talked about Jesus being the most differentiated person on earth, which means he doesn't um, let people's opinion about him steer what he's going to do. He is on mission. Um, he is compassionate. He is kind. He is gracious, but he is on mission. And so he says this thing, now there's these people around, there's religious leaders that are around and here's what happens next. Lazarus walks out, hops out. I'm not sure cuz he was wrapped, you know, in grave clothes and he comes out and he's taking breath again. What happened? All right, so this, that's the foundation of what I want to talk about today. And really what we need to understand too about that passage is that passage is not about Lazarus. That passage is about the glory of Jesus and the power of Jesus Christ. And so we read today in John eleven forty five 45 through 57, it says this, many of the people who were with Mary believed in Jesus when they saw this happen, but some went to the Pharisees and told them that Jesus, what Jesus had done. And then the leading priests and the Pharisees called the high council together, what are we going to do? they ask each other. This man certainly performs many miraculous signs. If we allow him to go on like this soon, everyone will believe in him. Then the Roman army will come and destroy both our temple and our nation. Caiaphas, who was the high priest at the time, said, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't realize that it's better for one that one man should die for the people than for the whole nation to be destroyed. He did not say this on his own as high priest at the time. He was led to prophesy that Jesus would die for the entire nation, and not only for that nation, but to bring together and unite all the children of God scattered around the world. So from that time on, the Jewish leaders began to plot Jesus' death. And as a result, Jesus stopped his public ministry among the people and left Jerusalem. He went to a place uh, near the wilderness to a village of Ephraim and stayed there with his disciples. It was now almost time for the Jewish Passover celebration, and many people from all over the country arrived in Jerusalem several days early so they could go through the purification ceremony before Passover began. They kept looking for Jesus, but they stood around in the temple they said to each other, what do you think? He won't come for Passover, will he? And meanwhile, the leading priest and Pharisees had publicly ordered that anyone seeing Jesus must report it immediately so that they could arrest him. I have two takeaways today. Uh, the first takeaway is this. Power encounters must merge with faith. Power encounters must merge with faith. And so this is evident in the passage. We can see this in actually verses 45 and 46. It's very evident that this is a true statement or a truth statement. Because of this, Lazarus, and I want to go over this again, Lazarus walked, hopped, I don't know, out of the grave, was dead for four days, and then came out of the tomb. And then here's the reaction in verses 45 and 46. Many of the people who were with Mary believed in Jesus when they saw this happen. But here's what happens too, 46. But some went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. You have two groups of people here. And these two groups of people, after Jesus' display of power, here's their reaction. The first group was happy and joyous and could not believe what they just saw. They couldn't believe it so much that they believed. Unreal what just happened, but it really just happened. We knew, too, that Lazarus was dead, and now he is no longer dead. And then you have the second group uh, who was upset, offended, uh, scared even. And this group walked away to tell the religious leaders they saw the unreal come to reality and they were scared. They didn't know what to do. They might have been upset. They might have been offended. They might have said, there's no way that that just happened. What kind of trickery might this be? The difference between the first group and the second group is this. It's a, it's a word, five letters, faith. That is the difference between the two groups. One had faith in Jesus. One did not have faith in Jesus. And so I love this. I love reading these stories. And I love reading historical stuff because I don't know about you guys, but I'm always on the right side of the decision, right? You know what I'm talking about? You guys ever think, like, if, if you're white in the room, do you ever think, like, I, I know that I would have marched with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Like, I know that. Like, duh. You guys ever said that? I have. For sure. I don't know. Uh, like, you don't, you don't go back in time and, like, you know, I would hope that I would, but, you know, like, and, and we, would, we look at this and we say, for sure I would have believed If I saw Lazarus coming out of the tomb, hey, okay, like, (laughs) for sure I would believe. Anybody in that party with me? For sure. For sure I would believe. How could those idiots not believe? How could you be on the wrong side of civil rights? Oh, my gosh. How How could you believe? Because we all do it. See, I've learned for a minute is this, that when, when you're positive that you would have reacted that way, I'm, I'm not sure that you're positive. But we have a decision to make now because these reactions that we see, it's over and over again, right? Jesus' power encounters always have a visceral reaction and a visceral response that goes, way beyond intellect, into someone's heart and soul. And so it's no different than what we've been reading. Every time that Jesus acts, there's two groups. Have you noticed that? There's the groups that are picking up stones, and there's the groups that are falling to his feet. That's what Jesus does. And, And I'm convinced of this, that the scenario is still true today, that when the Holy Spirit acts today, there is still a visceral response that goes beyond intellect, but can involve intellect, but is beyond intellect. I heard a story, uh, I think it was this week or last week, this guy, uh, his name's Jay Pathick. He's the national leader of Vineyard uh, Association of Churches, all right? And so he was running what was called Alpha, and that's a course that you can go through. Actually, I think Highland Park is offering it now, but I think they're towards the end of it. We would love to offer it one day, Um, but it's a course that you go to, and they have this thing called the Holy Spirit Weekend, all right, and so this guy who was an engineer that was in the course Uh, was going through, learning about God, and that's what it basically is. It's basic foundation of who God is, who Christ is, um, and and this. And then so you have a Holy Spirit weekend, and they invite the Holy Spirit to come, and this guy's coming. And he goes, he comes up to Jay, and he says, hey, um, I just want you to know, like, I see that there's something that you're, like, building to here, and... um, I just want you to know that I'm not going to be a part of that. And so Jay, who is super chill, says, okay, okay. And so they go on with the session and they say, hey, if you would like to be filled with the Holy Spirit, stand up. And this guy stands up. And so they go on. Jay walks over to him. And I love hearing Jay Pathak tell stories. And uh, he says, um, so I I thought you weren't going to stand up. And he goes, well, he said, I heard you talking. He said, if that stuff is for real, he's like, basically, I'd be an idiot not to stand up. So, like, if the Holy Spirit can come in, in and empower me and and." and make me, not make me, but, but point me in the way to become more like Christ, to be more compassionate to the people around, all these things, right, that the Holy Spirit comes, turns a heart of stone into flesh, all this stuff, right? I would be a fool not to do that. So he says, okay, cool. So he puts his hand on him and he just says, hey, you know, vineyard style, very like chill. Hey, Holy Spirit, would you just come and be present. Come and fill him. And so, stuff starts to happen. Stuff really, not crazy, but he starts weeping. He starts, you know, responding to the Holy Spirit. And um, whichever, by the way, there's no formula to the response of the Holy Spirit. Let me put that out there, All right? Oh, they were shaking. Am I supposed to? Okay. (laughs) You know, they were crying. I didn't cry. Did I have the Holy Spirit? I don't know. Okay. It's not a carbon copy. He comes up to Jay later and he says, dude, this is for real. And Jay's like, Yeah, it's for real. And he goes, No, no, man. Like, it's for real. For real. Like, gravity is real. This is real. And he goes, have you known this the whole time? And Jay's like, yeah, I've known it the whole time. (laughs) He's like, so this guy is completely changed. And here's what happens. And here's what I love about that story too. My man walked in with no faith. I'm not standing up. And he took a small step and he stood up and he said, if that stuff's real, then I want it. And then he finds out it's real. It's really real. It's real like gravity. Is real. And so, what I've been thinking about over the past uh, few weeks is this: that that what is the what is the thing that drew you to Jesus? Compassion, love, kindness, power. It was. I mean, there there there's points where we have power encounters with Christ. And those power encounters are are then found. Um, to be followed up by faith in Jesus. Because here's what I know, is if this guy, and we've seen it, I've seen it before, is if this guy has a power encounter, is not followed up by faith with Jesus, he just had a power encounter. Well, do you think God would do that to a non-Christian? Like they could have a power. God can do whatever he wants to do. We're the ones who put boxes on God. And so, hopefully we wouldn't act like the first group. Hopefully our reactions would be a little bit better. But here's what I want to say, that when we have a power encounter with God, we then have to choose to believe. Now, John 14, 12 says this, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. And so here's the deal. What does that mean, even greater works? I mean, Jesus covered everything, right? He healed the sick, he raised the dead, He showed compassion. What are the greater works? Okay, what does that mean? Well, I think it's this, that that we're going to do the same things that that Jesus did. It doesn't mean that we're going to be greater than Jesus. That is an impossibility. That is not the goal. Our goal is, hey, I want to be like Christ. Well, the first step for me is realizing where I am not like Christ. That can be tough. How can that be tough? Well, here's how it's tough, because we have blind spots. Do you know what blind spots are? Connie, what's your blind spot? You don't know, because it's her blind spot. It, you, yes, I know all my blind spots. No, you don't. Literally, by the definition, you don't know. And here's what the deal is. We have to be walking with people who can pick out are blind spots that uh, we might not like, but we realize that they're true. How many of you guys have had that reaction before? Dude, back up. 20 minutes later, hey, dude, um, yeah, that was right, actually. Maybe it's a day later. Depends on how bitter of a person you are. Three days later, four, I don't know dude, you know when I hung up on you the other day? Um, (laughs) That's for somebody else, not for me. Okay. um, So we'll do the same things he's done because he's called us to do those things. So power encounters must merge with faith. They can't be exclusively power encounters because here, takeaway number two I'm going to call power encounters memorials. Memorials have a tendency to mesmerize. Memorials have a tendency to mesmerize. See, if we deal with the passage here, Caiaphas, who is the high priest at the time, uh, has a vested interest in helping to keep things peaceful. He's actually worked for 10 years to make peace with Rome. So he's really worked, and and how could he, again, we would be on the right side of history, right? How could he allow this one rogue person to ruin everything that he's worked a decade on to create this peace with Rome? Which, by the way, is really just a false peace. And, And so... It would be unimaginable, it would be unthinkable, it would be completely unpractical uh, to allow Jesus to ruin this thing that he's built. So he prophesies. Could God lead someone that is against him to prophesy about him and the things that he'll do? I mean, it's kind of a proof text right here. All right? And so he prophesies. Doesn't mean to prophesy what he prophesied, but he prophesies it nonetheless. And he says, you know, hey, you don't realize it's that it's better for uh, you, and you all, that one man should die for the people uh, than the whole nation be destroyed. See, he didn't know what he was saying. But not only was it going to be for the whole nation, it was going to be for the entirety of the world. And so I was thinking about this. Memorials have a tendency to mesmerize, and I thought about Joshua chapters 3 and 4. Joshua, Joshua's chapter 3 and 4, is the setup is like this. People of Israel are going to cross the Jordan River. Joshua is given some instructions. Hey, take the Ark of the Covenant out there. Take the priest out there. And what's going to happen is the river is going to stop flowing so that the people can... Pr- can pass into the promised land what faith right so what do they do well sure enough they they have the ark they bring it out there the priests are out there they come and the first person that steps into the river guess what happens upstream it stops flowing now some people have argued well it was shallow and it was only about 20 feet well i don't care if it was five feet wide If I stepped and put my toe in a creek and it stopped flowing upstream and dried up so that I could walk across it, I'd be like, what the heck just happened, all right? So it stops, and it stops until everybody crosses over. And then what do they do? They build an altar, a memorial, right? They stack stones. You guys remember this story? They stack the stones. But here's what the key to this story is. The, the key is that, yes, we can refer back to that, and we can see that, and we can remember what God did, but we're not going to stop there and worship that place. We're going to remember it. It's going to be the stories that we tell when, man, I remember that when I was down and out, and God like provided for my family. Oh my gosh, I remember when we just, I remember when we couldn't afford a car for our oldest daughter and someone gave her one. And this was after the first one that was gonna be given to her was completely wrecked and totaled. Then a second person gave her a car. I remember when we didn't have money to spend on groceries and someone provided groceries for us. I remember when books showed up at my house. I remember when my children, who were not covered by insurance because of a gap of insurance, were not sick for the entirety of the time. I remember when. And so I don't worship at those places, but I look back and I say, God, you are so good. See, because memorials have a tendency to mesmerize and the same thing can happen when a power encounter happens. Well, God, it's got to look like this next time exactly the same. And if it doesn't, I don't know if it was you or not. What I want to encourage you with this is when... when We don't want to to build memorials out of those things. What we do is we say, God, you showed up. I don't know. I can't even explain exactly what happened. I don't know. But I know that you were in my midst. And because of that, I was changed. And we have a responsibility then to actually try to be more like Jesus. I have a responsibility. This week, I have failed at being like Jesus. This week, last week, if you begin this week on Sunday, I think I probably, probably did this morning at some point. Why not? I'm gonna just throw it in there I'm, just for security's sake, all right? So I have a choice. We have a choice. But I'm convinced of this, that, that God is wanting to move in the midst of His people. Josh and I were talking last week what is it, you know, in summer, of course, we have people that are gone and not, or aren't in the room right now, and, or there, maybe they're online, or whatever it might be. But I'm, Josh and I are talking, what is the thing that draws people back to church or to church? And I just know it is this, it is the power of the Holy Spirit working in people's lives. It's the power of the Holy Spirit It's power encounters that happen that Jesus shows up, the Holy Spirit shows up, does work in our hearts. We don't stay there and worship. We remember that, but it draws us closer to the King of Kings. You know, is it the lights? Is it the smog, as Scott calls it? All right. Is it the songs? Is it this? I think. I think we need to actually just pare down back to the basics of this. Holy Spirit, would you come in this place? Would you help us not to uh, be mesmerized by memorials? Would you help us to be mesmerized by you and the things that you're doing and the stuff that you're doing fresh? Because, God, we don't want to hold you hostage to the things that you want to do. We want to be captivated by you. And so I believe that's what we're called to do. Lakeland Vineyard, that's you. Power encounters, merge with faith, and then we disciple people. That's what we're called to do. And so if you would, um, stand with me.